The Texans enter the divisional round looking to make the Ravens never more. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the bullpen. And welcome to the bullpen. I am James Roy, and with me is Tom Chavaria. Tom, how are you doing today? I cannot get to Saturday at 3.30 fast enough. I need the Texans game on right now, right in front of me. I'm ready. I'm just so ready. I need, I need a time machine, man. Where we're going, <laughs> we don't need roads. I'm just trying to get there real quick. Um, uh, being Having been on a submarine, they used to call it um, Rack to the Future. We sleep in, in racks. You'd be like, I'll just go to sleep and I'll rack to the future so we can get back home and end this deployment. So that's what I'm looking to do. Probably not actually since I have, you know, <laughs> things going on in my life, but I wish I could. I wish I could. The Texans um, played the Ravens week one and we all know how that went. Um, do you think that that has any bearing on what we should expect to see going into this matchup? I don't because it was so long ago. I think these teams have changed so much to include the Baltimore Ravens. I really don't think they're the same team that we saw week one. I think they were getting, I believe they had a new offensive coordinator starting off the season. So for them, there was a maturation process of that team. Obviously, this team has done the same. And I really just think we're in for a heavyweight title fight. I think they're going to take shots back and forth. I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's a reason the Ravens are the number one seed. I've been saying throughout the season that that they're the quietest number one seed, in my opinion. I just It seemed like they were winning a lot of games, and there was a point in the season where I was like, wait, who's the number one seed in the AFC? Like, I just didn't... I did not expect that to be the case when the season started, but with the Chiefs' collapse, it, it makes a lot more sense. The Dolphins were frauds, it turns out. So that that kind of all that together... I think created the perfect storm for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to, to take the number one seed. Do you think that the rest that they've had will be more counterproductive or do you think it's to their benefit that they haven't played their starters in like three weeks? If baseball has taught us anything, the team that's been playing, that's, that's got a little juice that's been going, the wildcard team always seems that one of them always seems to emerge because they're just getting hot at the right time and they're building on, on game after game after game where, you know, the divisional team that just are just won their division and and coasted, they kind of have to ramp back up. So I feel like at least early on in that game, it's going to take some time for Baltimore to kind of get their legs about them. And that is where I think the Texans can really do some damage and put a little pressure on them. Looking back to last week, I, that's what I was looking at when the Texans defense initially stepped up and stopped the first two Browns drives. I said it's very important that the offense takes advantage of this because once the Browns get going, it could be hard to stop them. Um, it turns out the Browns really just kind of start-stop, didn't really make anything happen. But I think it stands to reason that with the way this Ravens offense has been, that the Texans will need to take advantage early if the defense can make stops. And historically, and by historically, I mean week one, the Texans' defense did not exactly just let Lamar Jackson do whatever he wanted um, I, I remember watching it. The stats will tell the story that I watched, and that's why I'm okay showing them. Um, 169 yards and in an interception from Lamar Jackson, and he only rushed for about 39 yards. 
Um, the Texans defense put a cap on him. I think it's important that they do that this time. Uh, aside from Lamar Jackson, what other aspects of this Ravens offense do you think should be like would be focal points that the Texans would you know do well to take care of? It's the tight ends. They give the most yards to tight ends. Isaiah likely has become a a real option for them in the absence of Mark Andrews, and now they get Mark Andrews back. So I think that really opens up the playbook for the Ravens to have two tight end personnel and really disguise some things and play action and be able to get those guys open. And for me, I think the linebacking core and the safeties are just going to have to have a masterpiece, a masterclass they're going to have to put on to be able to stop these guys because they're very, very talented. So I think when you talk about the the, the talent at corners with Derek Stilling Jr. and uh, Steven Nelson, they're going to have their work cut out too with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers. It's really going to be on those other guys to really stop those tight ends if the Texans are going to have a chance to win this game. I think the big guy we're going to see step up is Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman's been one of our better cover linebackers this season, and I think that having him back for this matchup and having him matured throughout the season to where he's at is going to be very vital. Um, I I think the Texans can only hope they get a more hobbled version of uh, Mark Andrews, but if if they get the tight ends at their best, we already saw what you know Njoku and uh, and Bryant did to the Texans uh, last week. It's one of the big reasons Flacco put up 300 yards passing against the Texans. So I think it's it's very vital that they lock that down. You brought up Zay Flowers. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Texans handle him. Um, he was the leading receiver in the last matchup, and I, I think that that just it tells a story that that I want to bring up kind of right now, which is that the Ravens have Zay Flowers. A lot of Texans fans that I know were very high on Zay Flowers and wanted the Texans to go after him. The Texans did not do that. And now here he is playing against us in in, in, one of the roadblocks that we have on the way to a Super Bowl. Um, Now, another player on the roster that's a more direct what if, woulda, coulda, shoulda um, is Kyle Hamilton. The the Ravens have Kyle Hamilton, and I and I'll, I say this every time, but go ahead and get your phone on screen record right now if you want some good material for later. Um, but if the Texans don't win this game and Kyle Hamilton has any bit of a heavy hand in it, you're not going to hear the end. You already don't hear the end of the fact that the Texans took Kenyon Green over him when he was available. But you will never it, no nothing Kenyon Green will do in his future as a Texan could ever overcome what Texans Twitter Texans fandom it, you'll, every Texans fan will be talking about how Kyle Hamilton did not get drafted by the Texans and then ended up being their kryptonite in the playoffs in CJ Stroud's first season so you, you heard it here first that's a hundred percent I that's an original thought I'm copywriting that that's me all me I, I don't know do you feel the same way absolutely not I don't think that when you look at where the Texans were when they drafted Kenyon Green, that Kyle Hamilton was more important than Kenyon Green. The offensive line was absolutely atrocious. It needed to be addressed. You were going to pr- protect your, you know, at the time you were going to protect your number one quarterback. And I, I feel like that's still the case. That That's where the capital should have been invested. I get Kyle Hamilton's become a great player in that system. Totally phenomenal. But the, the counter argument I'll make is you're right. A lot of people thought Zay Flowers should have been a Texan. And then the Texans went out and got Tank Dell. And then week one was kind of billed as Zay Flowers versus Tank Dell. 
Zay Flowers won that hands down after week one. And guess what people were doing? Oh my God, the Texans screwed this up. That was the guy they should have drafted. Tank Dell won't be him. They should have drafted Zay Flowers. The Texans screwed this up. Fast forward to right now, there isn't a soul in Houston that would say they want Zay Flowers, unless they're related or something, instead of Tank Dell. Tank Dell is an unquestioned leader of this team. He is revered in Houston. He's H-Town to the core. And that was the right pick. So for me, if Kenyon Green becomes the offensive lineman that we thought he was going to be and becomes a, a fixture in the trenches that you need and on a rookie deal, I'm not going to sit here and go, well, you remember that one game that Kyle Hamilton had where the, where the <laughs> Ravens won? Man, are they, they sure do need him. No, nah, I'm not going to do that. The other part of it, too, is, is that I think it's a big contributor to that discussion is the fact that a lot of Texans fans look at what um, Jalen Petrie did in his first season. And, and that was like enough to make people think, well, we didn't need Kyle Hamilton. We got Jalen Petrie. But with Jalen Petrie's, you know, quote unquote fall off, um, where it's been a slightly less impressive season, a lot of fans are like, well, maybe we needed Kyle Hamilton. And then that brings the question of, well, who do we take with that second round pick then? And that it just, it starts this landslide of what ifs and hypotheticals and discussions that we, we would love to get into. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm content with what we have in Jalen Petrie so far. You won't catch me being the one who's being like, well, if we had taken Kyle Hamilton, we would have beaten the Ravens. Cause I mean, as much as you can tug the string and try and follow that thought process, I'm not, I'm not one you'll find doing that. Now that, that transitions into the defensive discussion of the Ravens. Since, I mean, I feel like the, the Ravens offense, we, we covered tight ends covered, the receivers that they have and Lamar Jackson. And that to me, like they, they also have a solid running back room. Uh, I, I would be more concerned about that if the Texans had not performed at such a high level in stopping the run. But I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you think there's reason to be concerned? I would have been concerned if Mitchell didn't blow his knee. The, the kid Mitchell that they had, I can't remember his first name. I want to say it starts with a K, but kid was electric. I had him in some, some uh, season long fantasy leagues. The guy was putting up points left and right. He was the Batman to Lamar's Robin in the running game. Between the two of them, they would rush for 150, 200 yards, something like that. So the fact that he's out, I do not fear Gus Edwards. I do not fear uh, Dalvin Cook. I, I really feel like this run defense has, has solidified itself to be very, very, uh, I don't say great, but very, very good. And in, in the postseason, that's really what you need to be able to bend but not break. So as long as they can contain Lamar, because Lamar could run for 100 yards by himself, I think that the run game will not be what beats the Houston Texans. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. But speaking of the run game, uh, how do you think the Texans' run offense stacks up against this Ravens defense? It's looked really good in spurts. I think ultimately the Texans want to let C.J. Cook. I think that's the right course of action, but I think the change of pace that Devin Singletary brings to be able to, I think, stretch the football along the edges and get you an occasional 10 to 15 yard chunk play is what makes CJ a little bit more uh, effective in the play action game. So I do believe the Texans are going to be able to run the football. I don't, I, I hope I'm wrong. I don't see Singletary going for a hundred yards. But I think if he gets something between 65 and 75 yards, I think that's going to be a good a step in the right direction for the Texans offense as a whole 
on Saturday. I I tend to agree that that number makes sense. I think that the the steps by which it, it comes to fruition go a little different for me. I I think that in, unless it's proven otherwise, unless this Ravens defense does something that the Browns you know don't do, which could very well be the case, the the move is to pass the run open, and so I think that what we'll see is is if CJ is explosive in the passing game to start the game. We'll see Devin Singletary eating up larger chunks of yards because the Ravens defense is going to have to respect what C.J. Stroud is and what Nico Collins brings. They're, they're going to be playing to not let Nico Collins get behind them, um, and that'll be the true test. And that's why I anticipate that we might see Nico Collins match up directly with Kyle Hamilton. Is the fact that that's like the Texans' offense, whether whether you want to believe it or not, it relies very heavily on explosive plays. I don't have official stats in front of me that show this, but like in my observations, when, when the offense is is thriving is when CJ's launching it down the field and Devin Singletary's breaking off long runs. Like those the there's a reason that they beat the Bengals with Joe Burrow. It was those seventeen explosive plays they had, which was like I believe the most in a game since they started tracking the stat. But I think that the vitality of this Texans offense Getting going early and setting up those plays uh, cannot be understated. So, I mean, looking at this Texans offense, though, do you think that it's going to be all Nico, or do you think that we might see the tight ends step up a little bit more? Obviously, we talked last week they had two touchdowns, but aside from that, the tight ends were a little bit quiet for the Texans offense. What, what do you foresee in this matchup? Well, if Kyle Hamilton's going to match up with Nico Collins... I think Brevin Jordan and I think Dalton Schultz are going to have big days. I think that they're that's probably their biggest defender. And if you're going to put a smaller corner or or something of that nature or, or their their other safety, who I can't think of at the moment, um, I Marcus, feel like that's. A, uh, I can't remember his name. I feel like that's advantage uh, Brevin Jordan advantage Dalton Schultz. So we've seen it all season long when. The tight ends needed to make a play. They've made plays. I think that while you, you say they're quiet, I feel like combined they were over 100 yards and two scores. So if we get that from our tight ends, if our tight ends, if the Texans tight ends produce equal to or greater than the Baltimore tight ends, I think the Texans win the football game. Yeah, and I mean, it speaks to my point earlier, which is that this this offense relies on explosive plays. And so the fact that, you know, Brevin Jordan and uh, Dalton Schultz were recipients of those type of plays does not downplay their contribution. They made major contributions to the Texans win. But when you isolate those plays and you just look at what they did otherwise, usually at least Dalton Schultz, in my opinion, has a larger impact on the game on plays where it's like, you know, third, third and three or third and six and we need a little bit and then we'll just throw a chunk play to uh, Dalton Schultz to get like beyond the sticks but out, outside of the long touchdown play, he had a drop that was pretty significant. Probably could have been close to a touchdown if he'd caught it. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, you, you and me both don't like talking about what could have, should have, would have been. Or I guess you don't. I sometimes do, but this is not one of those times. Um, I, I, I think that their their contribution last week was significant, but it could be more this week. Um, when we look at how that Ravens secondary matches up with what the Texans bring. Um, now, with that being said, uh, and in the interest of, of brevity, we don't want to to bore the listeners with us droning. Or maybe we do. 
I don't know, comment and, and let us know if that's the case. We'll, we'll drone all we want. We'll talk about everything, but um, I'd like to move into predictions, but do you have anything else to say about the offense, defense, or what you'd like to see from this team? The evolution of John Mechie. That's, that's going to be big. I think Noah Brown being out, you're going to ask for John Mechie to be more uh, a part of this offense. If it's not going to be the tight ends, if it's not going to be Nico Collins, I think it has to be John Mechie. I think Robert Woods is still a little nicked up. Uh, we just haven't seen enough of Xavier Hutchinson to know or to to pencil him in as a contributor. And then they, they added Steven Sims to the roster, but I can't necessarily say with any certainty that he's going to be a guy. So for me, it's John Mechie. And um, I think that the offense is going to be fine. I, they, they've they put points up everywhere CJ's been, with the exception of that one awful uh, situation in New Jersey, which we hope we never go back there because it's the worst football environment ever. Hate it. Hate it. I agree. <laughs> uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, it's the worst place <laughs> to play football, apparently. So everywhere else, this team has been very, very uh, good offensively. So I, th- I expect that to continue in Baltimore. And um, I'm just excited for this game. I, I agree with you that that Mech stepping up last week, he bobbled that catch, but he made it. And him and Hutchinson both had at least two receptions. We talked about that earlier in the week. Um, I think that their contribution becomes that much more important with Noah Brown out. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what this team can do. Um, on that note, uh, I, I think we usually lead with you, so I'd like to know from you, uh, how are you feeling about this game? Where, where's your prediction at? This game is such a tough game for me because Vegas has it at a nine and a half point spread. And I'm That's just wild like, to me. Like, can we talk about that? Because <laughs> that is literally half a point less than what they put between Buffalo and the Steelers as a second and seventh seed. There is a lot more space between a second seed and a seventh seed than there is between the first and the fourth seed. And especially when you think about the Texans being able to beat Buffalo, or not Buffalo, I'm sorry, uh, Pittsburgh, I just feel like this is a better team. So I feel like this gap should not be this wide. I don't know what Vegas is doing. I don't know if they're they're leaning on the, the score of the first game as a barometer, but I think that's a mistake. Uh, if, I, if Texas had gambling, I would absolutely run to wherever I could, so whatever sportsbook would let me, and I would bet uh, on the Texans to cover that nine and a half points. Um, that being said, for the Texans to win this game, I think it's going to be incredibly close. It's going to be tough to go on the road. I think it's going to be something, a field goal type thing. For me, 31-28 is where I'm at. Uh, it's, it's a high-scoring game. I know the weather's not going to be great, but I don't think that's going to stop either one of these offenses. I think they're going to find a way to put up points, and it's probably just going to be the team with the ball last wins. This team has been a, a cardiac team all season long. I don't expect that to change. I absolutely think everybody's going to be on the edge of the seats at the end of the game watching the final drive in some form or fashion, whether it's the Texans needing to stop, the Texans needing to score, one of those things. And I hope the Texans come out on top. I, I have to agree with you that it's going to be a close game and also that I want the Texans to come out on top. But who who would have guessed that? Um, but I, I do think it's gonna be a close game. I'm a little lower scoring than you. Um, I'm going to go with like the traditional or more, or I, I don't think it's a field goal apart, but I think it's close to that. So I'll go 24 to 20, um, in favor of the Texans. Um, cause I think that, I think that in the end of the day, and you always hate when I make my storybook prediction because it always sounds like it's going to be the, 
the least desirable outcome for anyone with any heart condition or anything like that. But this is going to come down to a, a, a similar situation to the Texans Buccaneers game where it's going to have it's going to be CJ. It's going to be, you know, 50 seconds on the clock and CJ's, you know, down 20 to 17. And, you know, it's like, okay, what do you got for me? What's going on? Um, and obviously in that situation, most teams would push for the field goal. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have blamed the Texans for doing that, but Bobby draws it up. The Texans get the ball 50 seconds on their own 25 first plays a little pop play to, to Nico Collins goes for 30 yards. So now the Texans are in Raven territory, five yards from reasonable field goal range. Granted with as cold as it is, you'd want to be a lot closer. You also probably don't want to kick a field goal with as cold as it is, but you know, Ky- Kymie Fairbairn begs to differ. He doesn't care what the weather's like. He is clutch and automatic. But from there, the Texans just kind of, you know, a little shovel to uh, Brevin Jordan. They're just moving. It's in little bits and chunks, getting it, getting it out of bounds. They, they have their t- two of their three timeouts, so they're using those. And they get down to it 15 yards out, and CJ rolls right. And who else is in the end zone but John Mechie with redemption on the line, having dropped his previous attempt at a touchdown pass. We see him catch the touchdown pass, hit his signature celebration. It's the perfect storybook ending for Houston. Kaimi Fairbairn hits the extra point, puts it out of reach. There's, you know, there's 10 seconds left. The Ravens, what are they going to do? They try one of those trick return plays. Can't really get anything going. Clock runs out. Texans win. That is my storybook ending. I have never ever, and I don't know if I ever will again, Root for one of your storybook endings. I just think they're a little, a little, little too much box office, too much theater. I'm absolutely here for this one, though. Let's do that. <laughs> Sign me up for match hitting the hitting the. Oh man, that'd be it'd awesome. be perfect. If this happens, cool. I, I'm going to make sure to post this clip everywhere on social media. I'll be like, hey, look, I predicted exactly this. But as we all know, I have been um, not very good at predicting what actually happens at the end of game. So uh, I would not hold your breath for this conclusion, but I will be holding mine for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's about it. Tom, do you have any final thoughts on this matchup before we bring this thing to a close? I can't say this enough. I've said it about a hundred times. I'll probably say it a hundred more between now and Saturday, no matter what happens in this game. I'm so proud of this team. I think everyone else should be uh, Baltimore could absolutely, you know, make Vegas look right with this number. And and while I'd be disappointed, I'd be so proud and so stoked on what's to come. I think this team is 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 absolutely set up to succeed for at least another five years and maybe more. I mean, this could be one of those iconic dynasties where you're talking about the, the Patriots, where you're talking about the Steelers, where you're talking about some of these teams that had quarterbacks that they found them early and they just kept winning, kept winning. Kansas City, same thing. Um, it's a great marriage between CJ and D'Amico. Obviously, Bobby Sloak is getting a lot of attention from a lot of different places. That name, the offensive coordinator name may change, but but I, I, I love what they have in place for the long haul. And go Texans. Go Texans, indeed. Um, my final thoughts revolve around you started talking, and I remember you using the phrase playing with house money a lot throughout the season. And in his press conference today, C.J. Stroud was asked point blank about 
you know, how do you feel about people that say like, you know, nothing to be worried about, you know, you're playing with house money. So like, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I think he answered it perfectly. I mean, the team obviously shouldn't be thinking that way. They should be pushing on one game at a time to, to win whenever they have the opportunity to. But uh, I, I love the concept of playing with house money because it, it's a good way to justify a losing season, which is anything short of the Super Bowl is just like a good season, but it wasn't, you know, perfect. It didn't make it all the way through. Um, so I, I don't hate that mentality from a fan perspective because obviously be super proud of this team regardless of the result of this weekend. I think that the Texans have performed far and above beyond the expectation of, uh, that was placed on them this season. Um, but I mean, I just, I'm so revved up and hyped up to see the Texans go deep. I believe they can, they can go all the way. Um, I mean, I, I made a prediction on Twitter. I'm going to bring it up right now so that people know about it. But I said in this off season that the Texans would win the Super Bowl before this decade was over. So I, I think that looks more realistic now than it did then. Um, but I, I'm hype that, that this team is, is making a real push and I am excited to see them go the distance, do, do what they can do. So, uh, thanks for watching today. If you're, if you're watching this, you can listen to it on Spotify and Apple music. If you'd like to do that. Um, and if you are listening to this, you can watch it on X as the young and hip kids call it, or Twitter, if you're a normal person. Um, and then you can also watch it on YouTube. Uh, I am at M one Texans fan. That's how you can find me on all of the, the things, uh, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Tom is at Third Coast Tom on Twitter because that's what he calls it. He does not call it X. He would you would never hear him say that. It's just not who he is. If you do, call for help. Call and the you know, dial nine one one and tell them that you don't know what's wrong, but something is wrong. And that yeah. Until next time. Thanks for listening. And uh, as always, stay classy, Houston. And Almost Texans. Thanks for tuning into The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen. Take the hand up. Stroud. Looking. Stroud.